Hey mamas, it's time to rise and grind. It's me, Brittany, and I'm back with Christian Mom Uncensored, the podcast where I dive into all the real, raw, unfiltered mommy struggles and all the things from marriage to raising babies to making decisions to leaps of faith to trials and tribulations, you know it all. Thanks so much for stopping by this Thursday. Welcome to Christian Mom Uncensored. Welcome to Christian Mom Uncensored. So I am currently bouncing a baby like normal. Um, having this 18-pound baby strapped to the chest, rocking and rolling. Um, it's actually a chaotic day as I'm recording, but I thought I would take like, you know, a little time to do what I love to do, which is podcast. Um, Elliot will hopefully fall asleep as I'm, you know, standing here bouncing him and talking to you guys. <sighs> but man... Let me tell you, if you're considering going from one kid to two, I hear that um, one to two is a really hard transition, but two to three is easier. I'm sure it's still hard. Um, It's no joke. Going from one kid to two kids, especially like little kids that can't like do things for themselves is for sure. um, It's for sure hard, guys. Um. But I know, like, in the long run, I, I like the fact that they're close in age, like, they're two years apart, but they're not, like, nine months or, I guess it couldn't be nine months, like, 11 months apart. That would be way too hard. And if you have, like, um, Irish twins, God bless you. I don't know how you're surviving. You are stronger than I am. But, oh, I just wanted to say it's hard and I'm taking a break. And as you can tell, I'm out of breath because oh, I've been running around the house all day. But, um... Yeah, so anyway, I wanted to stop and talk about a new Netflix show because, man, I've been watching a lot of Netflix lately. It's my weekend routine to kind of pick a show. Typically, Netflix releases like a new show, it feels like, every week or so. And um, usually on the weekend, I will binge it and finish by like Monday or Tuesday. Um, If it's like a 10 episode series, that's like 45 minutes an episode. And so I finished Ginny and Georgia and I want to break it down for you guys. And the reason why I want to do it is um, there's a couple good parenting topics and then a couple good topics in the show in general. So if you haven't seen Ginny and Georgia, I do encourage you to go watch it Um, and I don't think this spoils the show too much. Like, I'm not diving into every episode or um, the series kind of ends in a way that makes you excited for the next season. I'm not going to talk about that. But there are some themes in the show I'm going to talk about. Um, So let's get into that. So the show Ginny and Georgia is really focuses on, um, and I think it's based off of a book series, like most Netflix shows are these days, um, but it's based off of a mom and daughter um, who the mom had her 16-year-old, well, she turned 16 in the show, um, 16-year-old daughter, really, really young, like, I think at like 15 or something, she said, and... Um, their life has been kind of tumultuous, lots of moving around. Georgia has had lots of relationships and, um, like, men come into their life. Um, but the interesting thing is that Georgia, 
the mom is white and Jenny, the daughter is biracial. Um, her father is black and he's still in her life. Just not, um, like in a nuclear family sense, like he does his thing. Um, but I, I have a feeling like they regularly communicate, um, based off of the show. So let's dive into all the things from biracial kids to co-parenting to, um, just like mother-daughter relationships and all of the things that go with parenting and this TV show. Um, It's pretty good. So the first thing um, that I noticed about this show is that I'm getting old. And I'm getting old because for a long time, I fit in with like high schoolers. (laughs) Like, you know, they were doing the same things as me. And not to say that in the show that they aren't, but... You know, they talk about cancel culture a little bit. They call Britney Spears retro. Um, So I'm just realizing, like, they are Gen Z, and I'm a millennial. And I was like, oh, my gosh, wait, I don't fit in with them anymore. Like, I fit in with, like, older people now. And so that was kind of funny. But um, in the show, Ginny is a character I really related to. And in that relation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you guys, like, something I'm struggling with as an adult and, um, like, a mom and things. So, like I said, um, Jenny's biracial. So, I, if you listen to old episodes, I kind of talk about how I um, went to a predominantly white school, a predominantly black school. I've lived in spaces that are predominantly white, predominantly black, more uh, multicultural, and... I currently live in, like, a more white area, and, like, I chose to do that. It's fine. I'm comfortable. Like, it's something that I'm used to, but when I kind of went into college, I had, like, a weird identity, and even as an adult, I still have this weird identity, and it's the same identity that I think Ginny kind of struggles with in the show, and I think in one episode, she says something like, I'm not white enough for the white kids or black enough for the black kids. And I relate to that a thousand percent where like, you know, obviously I'm black. Like, look at my profile. (laughs) Like, you can see me. Um, But I never fit in, fit in, you know, with the black kids. And even with the white kids, um, I fit in as like the black one. Like, oh, that's my black friend. Um, Or they'd be like, oh my gosh, you're like an Oreo. And they say these things that are like, that are not super harmful, but are a little problematic because it's like, well, I'm just a person and, you know, what really is blackness? And that there's a whole conversation to have about that on another episode. But in my younger years growing up, I did have a really hard time with my identity and even like figuring out my identity, my identity as a black person. And I think that what people don't realize is that if you aren't like in, in with like your people in a sense, like, um, for instance, I said I wasn't like black enough for the black kids, but obviously I'm not white. So I'm not white enough for the white kids. It gets interesting and, um, confusing and it gets kind of hard to figure out how you identify. So, you know, if you are somebody who has biracial children, I think it's important that you expose them to both sides of who they are because even as somebody who isn't biracial, I did have a hard time like figuring out my blackness. Like my whole family's black. There's, like everyone I saw was black, but like light skinned. Um, we went to, we lived in some predominantly white areas. So that identity 
of like, you know, figuring out who you are. It was just like a little bit different. I didn't relate. I didn't watch certain movies. I didn't listen to certain music. So it was hard to like when I would sit at a table, like figure out what to talk about. Because if I say like, you know, my crush is Orlando Bloom, who was, I had a hard, like a huge, huge crush on Orlando Bloom for many, many years. Um, like from the fifth grade to like probably now. And, um, you know, people are like, who's he? Or they go like, really? And they don't, they're not like relating with me because, you know, I sat at a table with a bunch of white kids and I watched Lord of the Rings and Pirates of the Caribbean and they watched those movies too. But, you know, the culture that I was following was the white culture. And I think that's what people don't understand. Um, when we talk about privilege and things, and I'm going to get into this because uh, it's uncomfortable, and I feel like I am your ally, and I've had um, conversations with white friends who just, like, we're trying to understand more and understand better, and it's not really, like, a political topic, and it's not a debate. It's just, like, some facts and some things that can kind of help you understand and see. And if you are a parent to a biracial child, it can kind of help you figure out and how, um, like how to steer and help them as they go through life, because no matter what, they're going to kind of struggle with their identity. I think even if you grow up in your culture, you struggle with your identity, like think about your younger years. Um, but now with the added, you know, the added element of race, it gets complicated. So um, let me just kind of explain that from my perspective and a little bit from the show, and then we'll keep going. It's nothing bad, so don't get scared, but I think it's important. So something else from the show um, that I thought was cool, well, not cool, is the mother-daughter relationship in the show was very much like she's the cool mom. She like She's like a fun-loving mom. She has no shame. Um, she puts her daughter on the pill the minute she gets a boyfriend. Like When it comes to, and I was watching another show, and they were giving their son the talk. He's like uh, maybe like 12 years old, like the birds and the bees talk. And it's uncomfortable, but I want it to be that Mia and I, and even me and Elliot, have like an open line of dialogue, an open line of communication. Um, When it comes to parenting, you have to think about, like, what do you want your kid to do in a situation when they're in trouble? Do you want to think, like, if they're hurt, like, if they've been drinking, they shouldn't have been, if they're somewhere they shouldn't be, I want them to think, oh, shoot, I need to call my mom and, like, know that I'm going to roll up and get them. Like, I got you. Like, I might I might be a little annoyed. I might be miffed. I might, you know, there might have to be a serious conversation, but I'm not killing you for, like, being in a place that kids are going to be at. Um, and if someone, you know, God forbid, like, got hurt or, you know, was sick or, like, something, I want them to think, let me call my mom. Like, my mom needs to be on, like, I need my mom to come get me. I think a lot of us millennial moms, um, our parents even think like that. Um, And there's a scene in the show where, this isn't that much of a spoiler, where Ginny like smokes some weed and um, she comes home and she, you know, Georgia asks, did you try it? And she said, yeah. And then Georgia's like, okay, um, thanks for being honest with me. And that's kind of the relationship I want. I wouldn't want my kid to be, like, stoned ever. But if they they were, I'd want them to tell me, like, if I ask. And I want them not to, like, fear the wrath of God. Like, 
obviously there's going to be consequences for doing things you're not supposed to do. But there, there also has to be some acknowledgement that kids are going to be out in the world and do things that you wouldn't approve of. Um, and navigating that can be tricky. I'm not saying that like if my kids are getting stoned every weekend that I'm gonna I'm not gonna like get on them, but I am saying that I would rather my kids be honest with me instead of having to lie and hide. And I feel like it's kind of a hard, tricky age to parent because we're demanding respect. We have to teach them, you know, to do right what's right and wrong. They have to learn. From their actions. I'm actually a big fan of natural consequences. Um, obviously, I would never let my kid like flunk school, but for example, if your child, and this might sound harsh, like if for, uh, let me think. Um, for, so for instance, let's say it's a little cold outside and I'm telling Mia she has to wear a jacket. Now she's two. I'm going to make her wear a jacket. But let's say she gets a little bit older, like maybe she's four and I'm telling her she has to wear a jacket. She's saying no. She's saying whatever. Okay, fine. I'm going to bring the jacket with me to the car and wherever we're going. And when she gets outside and it's like, oh, mom, I'm cold. I'll say, I know, that's why I told you to wear a jacket. And then she'll wear a jacket. It's kind of like learning certain things by, like, experiencing the negative effect of it. Um, There's certain things I wouldn't let my kid do. Like, if my kid's about to fall off the chair, obviously I'm going to tell her to sit in the middle of the seat before she falls. Like, she's a kid. But, like, um, just, like, things like, I'm, like, a fan of, like, naturally learning. Okay, I didn't do this, and this sucked, so this is why. Um, you know, this is why I should or should not do this. Like, for instance, wearing a jacket. Um, and obviously as a parent, it's so tricky out in these streets. And that's why I would just carry the jacket with me in the car. And that way she can like, it's a quick lesson learned. Obviously, I'm not doing that with my two-year-old. Um, she wanted to go outside earlier today. I made her put on a hoodie. Um, it's like 60 degrees. So it's like, it's not too, it's not like too cold or anything, but it's a little windy. And so I made her put on a hoodie and that's fine. But as she gets older, like, I'm going to pick and choose my battles. And um, that's just like parenting lifestyle. So speaking about parenting, um, Ethan always calls me a softie. And I, I can admit I'm a softie. Um, and I have friends who are like firmer with their kids and um, more firm, whatever the right word is. And, you know, Discipline with a two-year-old is very much for me. It has to be like in the moment. With younger kids, if you try to punish them later, they're not going to get it. So it's like you are throwing a tantrum. I am taking this from you right now. You know, like that kind of situation. We talked about it with um, Kiri on like that episode where like with kids, it doesn't make sense to discipline them later or to discipline them with something that doesn't relate to what the issue was. So like, for instance, if you are if you're throwing a shoe at me because you don't want to go, you're not wanting to wear those shoes or you're throwing a tantrum or something, then you're not going outside. Or, you know, something like that, like something that relates to the issue at hand. And I definitely firmly believe in that. Um, And yeah, so that's all I'm going to say about parenting. It's we live in like such a different age. And it's so funny because I'm the first 
to, of my family to, you know, get married, move out, have kids, have the grandkids, have the great grandkids. Like I'm the first to do all that. And so you see, um, just like as people ask questions about like, what are you going to do this or that? You see like how parenting has changed over time. And honestly, when I was growing up, um, well, let me say this, uh, in my church right now, we have small groups, which basically, if you don't know what that is, um, it's just like a group of people, maybe anywhere from like four to like maybe eight. Some small groups get really big, but then they're not really small. Um, I like I like the numbers four to eight people meet weekly and study a topic. It could be a book of the Bible. Um, the small group that I've kind of been participating in um, over the summer, we talked about um, politics and like um, what the Bible says about politics and like all of that things. And basically what was cool was we talk about like, um, like it's fine for us to have our different political beliefs, but are you, how is that, like, how are we supposed to behave with that? Which was a good topic for the time. Cause it was so divisive. Um, and our group had like such a mix of like, you know, liberal, conservative, Dem, Republican, Green Party. Like we had a whole uh, independent, we had like a whole bunch of different types of people in my group. And so obviously we agreed on some things, didn't agree on other things, but it was all about, you know, you know, working through those relationships regardless. Not everyone can do that. I just wanted to like say that was a cool, that was a cool time. Another, so what we're doing right now is we're looking at parenting um, in our small group because most of our small group actually all of our small group, well, like 90% of our small group has kids and of different ages. So most of the people in my group have adult children and then I have little children. Um, and so we've been talking about discipline and what that looks like and also, um, parenting. And it's interesting to listen to some of the, um, struggles, the parents of older kids or even adult kids have compared to like, you know, my struggle is potty training, bedtime, um, tantrums where their struggle is like steering their kids in the right direction, making sure their kids are thinking about their futures and like how do you approach those kinds of conversations if like your kid wants to drop out of school and things like that. And so that's really, um, it's really interesting, but I forgot what I was going to say about parenting, but, um, Oh, I was going to say like, when I think about how I was brought up compared to certain friends, uh, a lot of my friends had like heavy hand, heavy handed parents. Um, they got spanked, um, they got whooped or whatever. They, their parents were a little strict where I think my mom learned because my grandparents were pretty strict that, you know, she didn't want to be that way with us. And so my mom's parenting was a lot lighter than that. Um, I can remember being spanked maybe one time in my whole entire life. Um, and it was really just like a tap on the hand, for, I don't even remember what it was for. And that was the only time I've ever been spanked. Um, being grounded, I don't remember being grounded. Maybe it happened once again. Um, but to be fair, listen, I never did anything crazy. I was a good kid. Um, my mom let me have mental health days. And when I think about what I've been really um, aware of recently when it comes to kids is that sometimes they have bad days. And... Um, they are allowed to have bad days. Do you ever find yourself getting frustrated with your kid? Maybe they're super emotional one day or um, 
really like cranky and then you got to get mad like you need to fix your attitude well that's not really going to help them or even like let's say your kid is saying you know I don't want to go to school today. Now, if they say that every day, like nobody wants to go to school, but it's always popping once you get there. But like, if if they're really coming to you and saying, hey, you know, mom, dad, I don't want to go to school today. Can I stay home? Maybe have a conversation about what that's about. Sometimes it could be like, you know, I have, I'm really overwhelmed and like, it would be good for them to have a break. Just like we need days off from work. Um, you know, kids, school is their job. And I do think, you know, I get a certain amount of days per year to take off of work. I'm not saying that my kids get that as many days to take off of school, but when they get school aged, I'm not gonna, you know, front and act like they don't get days where they're tired. I feel like it could be more problematic, you know, if they're having a really hard time or are overwhelmed or, you know, just having like a hard, you know, just give them the break because um, we all need a break. And like, yeah, why don't you stay home and read? Why don't you, you know, do your homework and then really just relax? Because um, what I notice is that kids, you know, COVID aside, and I'm not talking about COVID, outside of COVID are like typically overbooked and overscheduled with sports. And then maybe they're in a leadership program and then maybe they're tutoring and then they go to church group and then they, you know, they still have regular homework. And if you're on any sports team, that's taxing. And so, Um, my mom was really lax with me and I'm a good kid. And I feel like, you know, if I was bad, hopefully she would have turned up the heat. Like, okay, now I'm taking this away from you and that away from you. But I wasn't bad. Um, I did skip school one time, but it was when I was being really, 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 really bullied. And I was just really afraid to get on the bus. Um, and so I didn't get on the bus and it was one day and I was like, okay, I just needed a break from being bullied. But, um, I feel like, anyway, people can call me lax. People can call me sensitive. Um, If my kids need more discipline, they'll get it. If they need more structure, they'll get it. Kids thrive off of structure and schedule. So I'm not saying, like, don't have a structure, don't have a schedule. I'm all about that. Um, Kids need that. Um, I'm not saying that, like, parent-wise, on a day-to-day basis, I'm, like, free-ranging it. No, no, no. I think kids do need a structured schedule where they wake up at a certain time, they eat breakfast, and then they do this, 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 and that, then they have lunch, then they know right after lunch is nap time, and then after nap time, we do X, Y, or Z. I'm all about having a schedule and a structure. It definitely is important for them. But when it comes to, like, as they get older and it comes to even, like, discipline, I think tuning into your kids emotions are is important and um, if you're working it's important to slow down and even if you're not it's important to slow down and really look at your kids I've been thinking about it all week not that my kids are doing anything or going through anything this week but I've just been like looking you know and noticing okay Mia for instance one day asked me to to sit and play with her and I had different plans for my lunch break I had plans to run and take a shower to start kind of making dinner and Mia said mommy play with me and you know what I did I said I guess I'll take a shower later I'll play with you because they're only little once and one day they're not going to ask to play with you and so I think kind of parenting that way and just like being being aware of like the costs of like what it is you're giving up. So like the shower, fine. I'll wait until after nap. And if I have to put Elliot in his chair while you play in your room and I take a shower, fine. Um, 
just just really stop slow down and look and listen to your kids is what I'm saying and now I feel like I've been kind of preaching about parenting but it's important and it's important to like look and listen for what your kids need um if Mia's wanting to cuddle, she hasn't gotten as many since Elliot's been born, so I'm going to stop and cuddle her. If she's asking me to do something with her, it's because she wants to spend time. She wants, she needs that attention. And so, um, it's, I'm not saying that every single time I have, I, I can stop and do it, but when it's like things like, well, I was going to make dinner, I guess I can start dinner, you know, 20 minutes later. That's not going to kill us. Um, because I am somebody who likes schedule and structure, it's okay to deviate to fit what your kid needs for the day um, and things like that if, you know, that's just the way it is. Anyway, that's what I got to say about that. So it is my birthday and I want to switch gears away from Jenny and Georgia and talk about something um, that's also come out recently that is... like was so interesting and um all over the news and that is Oprah Winfrey's interview with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry and um I have a couple things to say about it um but I do want to say like it was really good if you haven't watched it and the themes some of the like themes um in the interview like I talked a little bit about um some of the the racial struggles from Ginny and Georgia, there seems to have been some, you know, racial struggles that Meghan Markle had, um, being part of the monarchy, um, specifically, um, you know, being pregnant with Archie and, um, the conversations about Archie and, um, but there's a lot to dive into about the interview. So we're going to switch gears and talk about the interview for a minute. And because um, it was just too good not to t- not to like bring it up. So this interview with Oprah, as you can expect, was amazing. It was pretty much a tell all of um, what Meghan Markle really went through in her position um, with the monarchy over in the UK, the royal family, and kind of the the damage that came along um, by the the UK press. I think we've all seen it. I wasn't super... So, for one, having, like, a royal wedding was super magical to me. I always wanted to be a princess. Low-key, still think maybe I could be a princess and don't know it. If anybody wants to tell me that my birthday, that'd be great. But um, in all seriousness... She kind of um, unveils this curtain of, okay, when you think of like a duchess, you think of, or if you think of Kate Middleton, you think of Meghan Markle, you think of William and Harry and this, this, um, the royals, the royals, right? You think of them as like this magical thing, right? We think of it as fairy tales. And Meghan even says that, like, we think she thought of it as like, you know, she didn't understand it. She didn't, when she got into it, that it's a job and that there's like a firm or institution that, you know, its main thing is to run things the way it's been run and protect the royal name. And that institution did nothing to protect her name. And we, I don't know if you saw the tabloids, but just being on social media, I would kind of click around and see them. And I would and I personally don't like clickbait um, or anything like that. So I just went, mm, this is trash. And that's what I do with any type of clickbait. Um, 
but the interview makes you think of her as a person who's getting all of this negative press and um then there's concerns around then they're talking about her race they talked about like how dark her son Archie was going to be like potentially like how dark he was going to be and one of the shocking moments is when they said like oh your son's not going to be a prince one and he's not going to have security. And this was kind of the, the starting point of a downward trend where she ends up exiting with Harry. Um, and it wasn't even really an exit. But um, it ends up being kind of like this... A lot was revealed. And so if you have been on social media and you see like everybody posting these memes and these things about the, the interview, the interview... For one, Megan is just so well-spoken. And I mean, like, not... I'm not trying to sound like derogatory. I'm just saying, like, she speaks like she's royalty. Like, if I were to give... If I were to have the same kind of interview, it would be, like, the podcast. Like, super casual. I don't know how to formal it up. And um, the interview is really real, but she speaks really eloquently. That's what I wanted to say. She speaks so eloquently. And, um, like, she's so put together. She's so poised. And I know, like, part of it, like, you know, she grew up in L.A. And she, she's she been doing the royal thing for a long time. I'm just, like, super impressed with her. And honestly, um, even more impressed with her now as a mom um, to pull herself out of a situation that was dangerous. She talks very vulnerably in the interview of having suicidal thoughts. And we know that um, Harry's mom, you know, did pass in um princess diana and it was she had very serious issues herself and to see somebody else who's going through the royal motions kind of have the same issue you can see that there's kind of a problem in the monarchy so uh, what i loved about the interview is i could relate so much on the race front because i'm a biracial family and so and Harry's white, and Meghan Markle is mixed, and my husband is white, and I am black, and we have white presenting children, and all these, like, you know, cool, fun things going on in my life, but one, I could really, on the race front, but I've never been attacked for it, I've never been, like, there's never been death threats to, to me personally, um, or to my husband, or to my children, um, you know, personally about anything, and so for her to say, you're not going to give my son security, I would be mad too. Actually, I would be more than mad. In fact, I I don't know if I could handle the royal life because when it comes to my kids, I can kind of like pop off guys like you. You're not. No. Okay. Um, and it was, it's a great interview. If you haven't watched it, you can see Harry and her, um, give their side and they do so so judiciously where they aren't like revealing all these names or bashing anyone megan really is just saying hey this is what i'm behind closed doors she doesn't point fingers she doesn't name names um and harry himself doesn't do that either but you can see that they um they look to each other a lot and they're inward and i feel like the relationship has always been inward it's always about this union between the two of them my duty to you supersedes my duty to anything else and i love them i freaking love the royal not the royals but harry and megan you guys uh they are relationship goals 
Um, but in all seriousness, the interview has some very serious undertones and it reveals a lot about British monarchy that on the American side, we, we don't live in the UK. It's not a part of a part of our culture. It is in like a very distant way where I think we all kind of knew of, you know, the royals over there. We, we knew there's a queen over there. We knew like about Princess Diana. We know about Princess Diana, but it's not our culture to like, you know, the queen, like we, we don't have a queen, we have a president and we vote for those suckers and then they leave office and it's on to the next. And so it was a really good interview. And what hit home for me was just how, um, how gracious Megan was. And, um, she pleaded for help when she was in a dark place and she's, you know, that, that's a hard thing to do. Um, and what I love the most is that Harry's dedicated to his wife and, um, he said, he's looking, he's like, look, we've asked for help. We've been trying to get help. If you're not going to protect us, what are we supposed to do? This is my wife. This is my child. Like, and they leave and it's not like they up and just leave the Royal family in the interview. He says they're senior members. So if you think of the whole monarchy, there's a ton of family members, um, there's, so there's senior members, which would be like William and Kate and Harry and Megan and the queen and, um, Charles and everybody else. Right. And then there's, you know, not senior members who still live like on Royal grounds. Um, and if the queen needs them to go to an event or do a tour or do something, they're there to do that. And that's what they were kind of trying to do, but it didn't end up working out. So the interview is really really, really interesting. And, um, I encourage everyone and I mean everyone to, to check it out. Okay. So that was kind of like my pop culture. Um, this is what's cool to watch episode, I guess. Cause I dove into a little bit of Ginny and Georgia, a little bit about the interview with Oprah and, um, and Meghan Markle and it was good. So, What's so funny about parenting, just like a random side note, is it's kind of rude. Um, what I mean by parenting is rude is like you, I'm see, you can hear Elliot kind of talking in the background, is that you have a newborn, right? You go through labor, first of all, or however you have your baby. And it's like a long, um, kind of like, you know, a tiring process. And then you don't sleep. It's like your baby's born and you're on, you're on mom mode from the, from the get go, unless you hire a postpartum doula or nurse or a night nurse or something. And then your baby like has to learn what day and night is. And then eventually they start sleeping better and then boom, they start sleeping. And then you're hit with a regression. Then you get over the regression and then boom, they start teething. So right now we're kind of entering the teething phase with Elliot, which is why I said parenting just is rude and isn't fair because you don't really get a break for like 10 years. Um, so if you're thinking about having kids, just note that you're not getting a break for a long time. And, um, but the cool thing is, like, he's rolling over. He did a little scoot yesterday. And it is really exciting when you see your kids um, hit those milestones. And even just listening to Mia, um, she'll be three in July. But she's kind of crossed the threshold of not a baby anymore. And what I mean is that, like, when she first turned two, if I, when I look at pictures, she still is little. Like, she's good at talking, but not to the extent she is now. And, um, she, 
She is now such, she's good at talking. She like, her points are clear. Her sentences are clear. She understands everything that's going on. So you got to be really careful now. (laughs) And, um, she's, um, loving and smart and she's asking why, or what does that mean? And it's pretty cool to watch. So I'm going to actually end the episode now because Elliot's getting fussy. It's my birthday, about to drink some coffee and just really relax for today. But thank you so much for um, tuning in. Make sure you subscribe on Apple and um, and Spotify and leave me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can find me at Christian Mom Uncensored on TikTok, on YouTube, on Instagram, Um, that is the handle for everything. And I will talk to you guys next week. Stay well, be blessed and it's Thursday. Bye.